Welcome to Someone Else's Shoes. My name is Hannah Nelson, and in this week's episode, we're going to be talking to two Division I volleyball players, who are also my teammates, about their international experiences. Like, a lot of my professors were like, oh, I don't think you can do it. Oh. They were like, because English, you know, it was, it was yeah. a big problem. They were like, I don't think you can do it. And I was like, well, now I want to do it more. And they yeah. told me I can't do it. For Italian native Giulia Lalanga, she almost stumbled upon the opportunity to play college volleyball in America. And once I realized that it was okay to like make mistakes and just kind of be open to learning the language, it took me like literally a year to be fluent in Spanish. Wow. Because once you're open and like willing to take the feedback, it just clicks like this. And for Wisconsin-born Callie Shamulak, her dad's career move brought her to Bogota, Colombia for some of the most formative years of her life. Their answers are sure to entertain and surprise. So listen up and lace up as we take you to walk another mile in someone else's shoes. In someone else's shoes. In today's episode, volleying between cultures. How did you kind of get into sports? Just sort of how did you get started with volleyball? I went to a volleyball camp when I was probably like 11. The person who started this volleyball camp was one of my dad's best friends. Oh. So he said, just bring Julia, let's see what she can do. Never play volleyball in my <laughs> life. So I go there, we start playing. I, I liked volleyball mm -hmm. and I was not too bad. And then when we came back home from that camp, I said, I want to play volleyball. So I started and I never stopped playing. Never gave it up. No. <laughs> Callie, I know that you lived in Colombia for a couple of years. So sort of talk about where, when you lived in Colombia and just sort of how you got there. I'm originally from Wisconsin, so 11 years I lived in Wisconsin, really small town, like really thought my life was kind of boring. And then my dad's actually a DEA agent, so he got a call saying that there was an opening in Bogota, Colombia, the headquarters for drugs. So 2011 this was, and we moved across the country to Bogota. I lived there from 11 to 13, so I was there for like two and a half years. My dad worked in the embassy, so I got to live an embassy life. Was the plan always to play in America after high school or sort of how did that idea come about? It was never a plan. Actually, the same guy with the, the, the volleyball camp, mm -hmm. he told me, you know, there is this thing, this, this, this agency you can talk to, they can send you to play in America and study there. And I was like, no, like, that would never happen. My dad was like, try, at least try. So we talked to them and we did the whole um, recruiting process. And I said, why not? And then I, I told my friend, why don't you want to do it too? Like she played volleyball with me. She said, why not? So we just said, okay. And then we got a school and we got a scholarship and we said, okay, we're going. But it was never a plan. And when you were in Colombia, I know it was fifth to eighth grade and you started playing volleyball when you were 11 and that's when you moved to Colombia, Cali. So did you play volleyball when you were in Colombia? Yeah, so I kind of grew up around volleyball. My aunt's a volleyball coach. So I grew up kind of learning how to play volleyball. And then when I got to Colombia, I knew that that was a sport that I wanted to play. Soccer, obviously, like same with Italy. It's a really big sport in Colombia. It's like the king of the sports is what they mm. call it. Volleyball it probably takes second place, probably just because it's so competitive all the time. And ours is a little different. So we actually do have sports in school but we don't have club sports in Columbia. Okay. So instead of playing for a club like we do here and high school, you just play for high school and the high schools are pretty competitive, mm -hmm. nothing like they are here. So that was kind of my first experience with volleyball. So how big of a sport is volleyball in Italy? 
I would say it's the second sport. Soccer mm -hmm. is the number one, but volleyball, I would say, is the second. Maybe tennis. I don't know. I, I feel like volleyball is getting higher in ranking. I feel like it is, too, because I know in America, we previously didn't have professional volleyball. Now it's sort of starting to bud. I know there's like a small league that they've developed like in the last two years or so. But I know for girls that go to school in the States and they want to play professionally, they'll normally go overseas to Europe, like Germany, France, Italy. And Italy has one of the best leagues. That's where like all the girls yeah. that are at Big Ten schools, Pac-12 schools go. So SEC. that makes sense. When, yeah, that makes sense when you say that it's such a big sport in Italy. It is. That's why like if you're not planning on playing professional, you go, I could go to America, yeah. get my degree there, and then come back and being done with volleyball. It's kind of like plan B. <laughs> yeah. When you came to America and you started playing, was it a struggle sort of switching over from playing an Italian and having that Italian mind and then coming over here and then having to process in English while you're playing? It was a struggle, especially at the beginning. I didn't know a lot of English. I didn't even know like volleyball words in English and that was, I, need, I needed to learn it. There was like moments where I would say something and it would come out in Italian instead of in English and it still happens sometimes because like you know when you start thinking faster like I don't think in English like often sometimes I do but like often is Italian mm -hmm. so like when we play volleyball I'm not even thinking and just having to process everything like so quickly it's hard For that's sure. why I ask a lot of questions and sometimes people are annoyed with me because I ask so many questions but it's because it's harder. Obviously, the language switch was different. She had to learn English and you had to learn Spanish. Mm -hmm. So what was your experience kind of getting fluent in the language and switching your English mind into Spanish mode, sort of? Yeah, so it took me um, kind of a while to realize how I could switch my mind into Spanish mode. Obviously, like when I was over there, I went to an international school, so all my teachers spoke English but I had to be enrolled into Spanish as a second language. But honestly, that didn't really help me that much because I was with other Americans. Mm -hmm. And once I realized that it was okay to like make mistakes and just kind of be open to learning the language, it took me like literally a year to be fluent in Spanish. Wow. Because once you're open and like willing to take the feedback, it just clicks like this. So I started like hanging out a lot more with the Colombians and they just really helped me like be open to the language and learning how to speak it. I'm sure it's kind of the same with you with English. Because yeah. at first it's so scary that you think like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna make a mistake and they're gonna laugh at me. You feel like they're gonna judge. They're gonna judge you, yeah. but they're, they're actually pretty open about it, which helped me learn really fast. And did you have the same experience sort yeah. of like getting comfortable? I would only hang out with international people at first because I thought, well, they don't know English either, so they're not gonna judge me. I got used to like hanging out with Americans a little more but I don't think anyone judges, honestly, mm -hmm. on the language. Maybe some people do, but I've never met anyone saying, oh, you don't know English. So, Callie, when you were playing in Colombia, switching into that, I feel like it's different speaking a language in normal, like a circumstance like this where you're just conversating with people. Mm -hmm. But in volleyball, like we all know, like the sport is so fast. Was it a little more of a struggle to switch your mind? Did you guys speak Spanish on the court? Did you speak English? What was sort of that transition like for you? Yeah, so I would actually say volleyball really helped me learn Spanish because it's so quick that you have to know exactly what to say at the right time. Mm -hmm. We spoke Spanish on the court. So like instead of saying mine, you'd say Mia or like 
well, every time they talked in practice, like I'd have to know what my coach was saying. Even though it was an international school, all the coaches only spoke Spanish, like no matter if it was soccer or volleyball. I actually definitely think it helped me learn Spanish just because I had to get accustomed to it really fast so that I could know what they were saying, mm -hmm. you know? Did you have any instances where you like translated something wrong and then you sort of did something <clears throat> that you weren't supposed to do? Well, there was this one time that this girl like told me that she wasn't gonna speak to me unless I spoke Spanish. So that kind of like forced me to learn, yeah. like I really have to learn Spanish, like get my act together, what am I gonna do? So after that, like I kind of took that as like, a, okay, I'm gonna learn this so that I don't ever mess up again. And yeah. like, I can actually start talking to these people that I wanna talk to. Yeah. So I would say like volleyball probably helped me be open to that. And if there wasn't something that I understood, I'm like, can you like try to tell me again or in different words? Mm -hmm. And they were pretty open about that. It's funny because they only, they use really quick terms. So like, instead of saying, I'm gonna set you this ball, they just say like, coloca, which means set. So they use like short terms okay. instead of like long sentences. So it was easier to learn because it's like one word, you know? So in your experience, you'd say the Colombians, like the native Colombians were generally really open to helping you through your like language journey. And would you say the same in America? I would say more than helping. Like I had some times that where it happened that I would speak and people would pretend that they understood and they would be like, oh yeah. And, but that made me want to learn more English because I was like, I don't want to feel that way anymore. Yeah. Like, when people are like not listening, not listening, but they don't understand what I'm yeah. saying. And I couldn't even get mad at them because like if you don't understand, you don't understand. Mm -hmm. you know? Are there any college sports in Italy? No. No? You don't play sports in college. That's completely different from here. Like there's no scholarship for sports. Wow. Like, like you don't have um, high school sports, you don't have college sports. Yeah, that, I guess that would make sense. And so the only reason why you go to college is to study. There's no chance to like play a sport. If you want to play a sport, you do and you keep playing in your club, which is a little different from here. You can keep playing until you're like done playing. Yeah. Like I used to play with people who were 40 years old. Yeah. What? They were good. I feel like there's this sort of misconception. I thought that was like a very common notion where you just you're like okay I'm gonna start playing sports and then I'm gonna try and go to school in America and sort of have like start my life from there like a lot of my professors were like oh I don't think you can do it oh. they were like because English you know it was, it was yeah. a big problem they were like I don't think you can do it and I was like well now I want to do it more and they <laughs> yeah. told me I can't do it Julia what would you say is the main difference between Italian culture and American culture and just how people interact with each other or just at all? The main difference, it's the food. Really? Like, <laughs> we have a whole uh, food culture. Like, for us, it's very important. Like, the, like, a lot of the main dishes that even you have in America, they're Italian. So I, str I still struggle with that sometimes. One thing I noticed was a big difference for me was, like, let's say you go somewhere and you meet a person. The next day, you expect that person, like, at least to say hi to you or, like, acknowledge you or something mm -hmm. if you meet them now here like sometimes like let's say you go to a party you meet someone the next day that person not even say hi to you yeah which it's so weird to me like, and it, it happens all the time and at home like you meet someone next day you're best friends yeah <laughs> that yeah. is true and what do you think was the biggest difference between american culture and colombian culture in colombia there's a huge poverty and wealth difference so mm -hmm. like the top 10 percent versus like the really 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 poor poorest of the poor in the whole world in colombia like the biggest thing is they have like maids butlers 
like even people in the middle class, like they have three helpers working in their kitchen mm -hmm. and most of the time they're African-Americans because mm -hmm. they would do anything to make like at least a little bit of money, which it sounds like really, really sad. They would give their life to work in the kitchen for you. Mm -hmm. And like that was that so crazy for me because like that is 1960 era. That is and not how I it is now. I have never experienced that before. And when we got over there, like we ended up having a maid. She was more of like my nanny, mm -hmm. but the way that we treated her, which was like a, she's a normal human being. Like your friend almost. Yeah, like my friend, a part of the family. Like she would never go out to dinner with us. We'd invite her and she just felt so inferior mm. oh because God, that's, that's how the Colombian society is. Like, you know your place and like that's your place, you that's know? Terrible. And it's really sad because you don't see that in America. So it's kind of hard for me coming back to America when people talk about like racial injustice, like social injustice, inequality, because I've seen what it's like to basically live in the like Jim Crow era. Mm -hmm. And then coming over here, I'm like, wow, it's so much different. I feel like it's harder to understand now, especially in the sort of all the conversations that have been going on in the past couple of years with like police brutality and racial injustice is now it's something that's we're calling out as unacceptable here. And why I feel like it's so sad there is because no one's calling that out. It's, mm -hmm. it's just the way of life. It's right. that culture. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's why it was so different for you to experience that because that's not acceptable anymore. When you were learning to play volleyball in Italy, how have you noticed that it's different from the style of volleyball played in America? Are they different? Yeah, there's a lot of different things. Like one thing, when the ball touches the ceiling, you can keep playing here. Mm -hmm. In Italy, you cannot keep playing. Really? I remember one time someone passed the ball to the ceiling and I, did, I just let the ball drop and my coach started yelling at me. And I was like, why are you yelling at me? He was like, you need to play the ball. I didn't know we could. Or there's other things like Libero cannot serve in Italy. And here people are like always cheering, always like even in practice, like always super positive. At home we're more like focused, like we're quiet. It's less of like a rah-rah experience. Yeah. You've talked a little bit about like how the rules are different. Is there any sort of difference in how you conduct yourselves with the other team? Like, is there more shit talking in America or is there, is there more so in Italy? I would say with some teams that we played here, there's more shit talking, especially on the bench part. Mm. But <laughs> in Italy, usually one thing I like, it's like the players you play against, sometimes you know them. Like, because I mean, you know some people here too. Like you, we play, let's say some other team. You might know a girl that plays in that team. At home, I know a lot of people in other teams, so like when I go play them, it's always fun because like we kind of like shit talk, but like in a friendly way, like, oh, like, we start talking on the net. Like friendly chirps. Yeah. I feel like here people are more like, I want to win. I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> Would you say that the game is more or less friendly in America? Are the girls more friendly or are the teammates, the people you're playing against? What do you think the overall vibe on the court is like? Definitely less friendly. In America? Yeah. Less really? friendly. Really? Yeah. I was totally, especially because you said they're so focused in Italy. I was talking more about practice. Yeah. So like when you practice here, like we always like have to cheer and everything. <laughs> and at home, it's like sometimes our coach said, just be quiet. Like just do your job. You know? That's so opposite. But the games, it's like since you know other people and like they're older people they're definitely more friendly oh. like at the end of each there's game, a respect thing yeah at the end of each game we someone always brings food and we share with the other team 
Would you say it's like more for fun? Yes, especially if you're not like in a higher level, it's definitely more for fun. Yeah. I don't want to say less competitive because you're still competing, but it's less like a do or die type situation. Yeah. We kind of make it now. Less like, than a you're the enemy. Yeah, that's yeah, literally what we say all less the time. Less than I too. have to play good or I'll lose my scholarship. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and Callie, would you say you say the same thing? Yeah. I feel like over here, just because like we do have scholarships, we do have offers from schools. Like over there, it's just you play high school and you're done. Like mm -hmm. you don't really plan on going anywhere. There's no club, so it's not like a higher level. But here, it's like, this has been our culture for the last four years and yeah. we know the girls we're playing against like we know the schools they're rivals yeah. to us and it's like this rival rivalry energy you know and like you want to win so bad for your school it's like that patriotism and it's almost like like obviously we want to win for us but it's almost like i want you to lose i want you to lose because i don't like you exactly yeah. that's and you don't even know anyone that's, i don't even exactly. know you i don't, I don't know any like of them you. as people i yeah. don't know any of them as people <laughs> Julia and Callie, sort of what was your experience like going through the diplomatic process of like moving somewhere else? Like did you have to get visas? What sort of rules did you have to follow? What rules do you have to follow now in regards to like where you can work, where you can or can't go? Is there anything like that? First, Julia, walk me through your journey getting here after going through that recruiting process and then Callie sort of let me in on what happened when you, your family decided to come to Colombia and what you guys had to do? The recruiting process, I mean, it was hard because not a lot of people want to take international students because I think they have to pay more money. Mm -hmm. But after I found a school, um, you need to get a visa, which is, normally it's not hard. Like you just go and do the interview at the embassy, but in Italy, nothing works well. So there's like a long wait, waiting list. Like you have to wait like months I had to go from Rome to Milan because there were no appointments available in Rome. How it's far like is Rome from Milan? Five hours by train. It was like 150 euro. What? Like, yeah, it was expensive. Plus, it's expensive to get a visa too. I, I would say around you pay like 300 euros, more or less. Yeah, I did not expensive. know that. And every like, you have to do it again. When I had to come here, I had to do another visa. <gasps> so I had to go through all the process again. Plus, it was COVID. So that made it harder. It's every what? Every two years you have to renew it? So. They made my first one for like four years. I was like, you can have this visa for four years. But then I went home and I stayed at home more than six months. So it canceled. Like if you don't stay in America, if you go home, like if you go to Italy and you stay for more than five months, you have to get another visa. Oh my God. And I did because it was COVID time and I, I was like- You had to come to school. Yeah, so I had to do another visa again. But- Oh my God. Yeah, after you get the visa, only th really hard thing is to when you pass the border, they ask you a few questions. That was hard when I didn't know English. They were asking me, what are you doing here? And I go, uh, go to school. They ask you, what are you doing? Like, when are you leaving? Wow, that's very stressful. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, here, yeah, for working, I technically cannot work outside of campus. But so you could do like work study, like work um, yeah. like at the CAC or exactly. in the library. Thank we have a lot of good people here to help us mm -hmm. with the whole process and everything. Plus, we have our assistant coach who is also international, mm -hmm. so she helped me a lot. After graduation, talk to me a little bit about your plans for the future, but talk to me a little bit about, do you think you're going to stay in America? What would you like to do? I would like to get my MBA somewhere. We have this opportunity to get a, I think it's called OPT. I'm not sure if it's OPT or OTP. I think it's OPT. But we can work for one year 
without having a work visa. Okay. So still with our student visa. But the only thing you have to find a job in 30 days, but like you can start looking before. So okay. it's kind of, so I would like to do that because like it goes on the resume, it's like. 30 yeah. days after graduation? No, 30 days after you start the application for this OPT thing. Oh, okay. okay. So you can find a job before and then you start yeah. the process and you're fine. And then after that, I think you have two months to get out of the country or find a work visa. But my goal is like, let's say I find this OPT and I like the job and they want to keep me. Maybe I'll stay for a few years. Mm -hmm. But my ultimate goal is to go back to Europe. Okay. I don't know if Rome or Italy, but definitely Europe. Just sort of wrapping up, would you guys recommend other people take on the sort of immersive experiences that you guys have had? Or what have been some of the things that have changed you as people and forced you to grow? 100% would recommend. Mm -hmm. Going anywhere, doesn't matter if it's America, Colombia, I would say go anywhere just to like get out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Like I did things here that I've never did before and like going in a place you don't know anyone, like that's like, that's big. And like going in another country and living with your whole family in another country, like yeah. you're losing everything, not losing, but like you're leaving everything behind. You're leaving like that part of your identity behind, like yeah. you don't know anyone, it's not a language that you're comfortable with. It's not a setting you're comfortable with. I totally see what you're saying. And that's like, it changes you. I think it makes you grow a little bit. And when you go back, you appreciate everything more. I think it definitely, traveling, no matter if it's like for a week or a month, whatever it is, living in a different country definitely makes you a more well-rounded person. You get to see different sides of life. But it also helps you like be able to adjust to change, mm -hmm. which I think a lot of people are like, oh, I don't like change, I don't like change. But when you go to a different country, like you kind of realize there's so much you can do that's not like the same everyday life. And I feel like the only people that know that are the people who travel and like get out mm -hmm. of their comfort zone. I feel like it really forces you to mature and also like going somewhere else where other people don't really know your identity because you don't really have that same common ground. I feel like it really forces you to like grow into your own and be really comfortable with like who you are and like what you know you have to offer other people. What have been some of the benefits do you think for you guys personally living in another place for an extended period of time? Well, definitely learning another language, getting to know a lot of people. Like I got, especially because I changed school. I probably have I, so many friends now. I got to know so many people from different countries, different cultures. It, it, that's the best part. Mm -hmm. And volleyball helped with that because like, you go to America, you don't know anyone, but you're already in a team. Yeah. Like, you already have like friends. And what about you, Cal? I think um, for me, obviously you guys know that I'm super social, but I think like, especially when coming like onto a team, it's really important to be able to know how to work with all different types of people, all different types of backgrounds. Like I think living in Colombia really helped me with that because it's such a different culture that you kind of have to immerse yourself into it, in it to understand like how people are thinking, if it's okay if I say this thing or if it's okay if yeah. I say that thing, like everything kind of comes down to like, learning the culture and understanding like how people work through their culture. So I think that's really helped me um, kind of succeed in like team aspects or working in groups or whatever so that I can kind of like understand where people are coming from yeah. and be a little bit more open. Finding the best way to like succeed together all towards one goal, you know? Is there anything else you would want to touch on just sort of about your experiences or like any words of advice you would give to other people considering this experience? talk to someone that did it before you. Just like the little things like bring a pillow. I didn't know I was supposed to bring a pillow, you know, like just the little <laughs> things, you know. 
Anything for you, Callie? Julia has a little tattoo that says, just go. And I think that's, just go do it. Because you never know what's waiting out there for you. And be open to accepting change and kind of learning who you are. It's scary, but once you like can dive deep into mm -hmm. that, you're going to be so much more well-rounded, like I said, and be able to kind of see the world in a different light. I feel like when the worst thing that can happen to you is that you can learn and you can grow as a person. Like, I feel like you really can't lose in those scenarios. No, worst thing you can do. I don't like the city I'm in. And leave. Uh, yeah. No, nothing's holding you back. No. I had so much fun talking to you guys. Thank you, you for coming in. Thanks for having and me. Thank you. I'll see you guys at practice tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Thanks, guys. And someone else's shoes. I can't say thank you enough to Callie and Julia for taking the time to walk us through such transformative periods of their lives. I hope this episode left you with a little bit of something you didn't know before and a little bit more empathy for people who are adjusting to not just a new language, but a new way of life. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast here on Spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And remember to never make an assumption about someone until you take the time to walk a mile in someone else's shoes.